All right, go ahead and pull out your Bibles, pull out something to take notes with. Welcome to 2018 again. It's awesome. Oh, oh. oh perfect. Mark chapter one is where we're going to be. Get something to take notes out because I have mine now so we can get started. Woohoo! My parents are excited. They're like, oh, my son's not going to look like a dork. Got something to take notes with? Awesome. Um, I saw, hey, Adam, I want you to stand up in the back. Everybody look at Adam and that awesome shirt he has on. It's, it's Genesis 1, 1 through 3, which is so cool because I was thinking about that this morning because uh, it's the beginning of a new year and the Bible says that in the beginning, God created. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. God created. It's going to be a year of God creating and he did it by speaking. He just spoke and things came, right? Let there be light and he made light. It says that the spirit of God was hovering over the nothingness. It's January 7th, there's still a little bit of nothing in 2018, but Holy Spirit's just hovering over this year. It's going to be a good year. Do you know that Jesus is alive? He's still speaking like he was in Genesis 1. It's awesome. As we start 2018, I want to encourage you uh, to believe that God speaks, and when he speaks, he creates, and he's speaking in a way that you can hear him. The Bible says, he says, I'm just a shepherd, and my sheep, they know my voice. So Good. All right, uh, now that I'm situated after being a mess, anybody in Mark chapter one? Awesome, we're not reading it yet, don't worry. So it's the beginning of the year, obviously, like I said, I mean, we all know it's January 7th, and in the beginning of the year, God does speak, and the beginning of the year is a great time uh, in your year to seek God and say, God, what are you speaking? What are you creating? What are you calling me to this year? And we uh, do that. I do that personally. We do that as a family. And we've done that as a church since we, since we started. And so in 2016, when we started the church that year, we asked God, Lord, what are you speaking for this year, this first year of our church? And uh, we really believe God gave us something clear, a phrase. And he said, I want you to take this year, this first year, to take strangers, because we were just starting. I remember the first day in my living room, we had like 25 adults and like 25 kids in the basement. It was bananas. For those of you who were there, you know it was crazy. But we had these 25 people, and we were all excited, but not everybody even really knew each other. So I was like, well, let, okay, so we felt like God said, take strangers and create family so that you invite people home and not just to an event. I thought, Wow. Sounds like something only God could say. So we, we took a year to, to become family. We talk about family a lot around here. That's why at the, when you walk in, that big sign, I guess, is what it is. Sign says, welcome home. Like, it's not just words. We really do want this to be a, a home because we believe that in a world of people that are they're searching for so much. We don't need a party. We don't just need another Sunday morning activity. But we have a good father who is inviting people home to be adopted into his family. We believe in family around here. We believe God works in and through family. So that's what God gave us for 2016. In 2017, uh, God spoke something a little shorter, and it was simply, we're moving in. We're moving in. It was out of Joshua chapter 1 that 2017 would be a year of moving in to the promises of God. And uh, if you were a part of our church during 2017, it seemed like everybody moved into something that they were believing for last year. It was amazing. Jobs, homes, babies, lots of babies coming. Praise God. It was a fertile year. It's awesome. We're moving in. And then we moved into this place. We had been downtown for a while, and we were believing God to give us a spot that uh, wasn't that. We were thankful, but we were ready for something new. And here we are, and uh, we're trying to move next door here. But um, P.S. meant to say it's the beginning. If you're thirsty, there's no water fountains, but there's water in the back. Little water bottles. 
So there you go. That was 2017 for us. And so we have just had this routine of saying, God, what are you, what are you saying for this year personally and, and for the church? I had a good friend of mine text me this week, he, and I loved it. We, weren't, we hadn't been talking about it. He texted me out of the blue. What's God speaking for you for 2018? I thought, ooh, I love having friends like that. Just, just, they just assume, he just assumes I'm asking. If I would have said, I don't know, I haven't asked, he would have been like, you're an idiot. Get going. <laughs> I was telling somebody this week, I'd have to try to fall away from God. I've got such good friends. So cool. Anyways, he shared some things kind of for him that, that he felt like God was saying. I shared some of what we're going to share this morning. But I just want to say, as, as we get going this morning, if you set your sight on one thing this new year, one thing in 2018, to hear and respond to the voice of God, you will have the most radical year, impactful year, life-changing year of your life. If you're new, I get really excited when I preach, and I just love when you shout back at me, so... We're not the frozen chosen here. It is frozen, but we're warm in here, praise God. So all that to say, for 2018, in November and December of this last year, I started reaching out to some people in our church and started asking people to pray, uh, not just for like Antioch, the church, but for you in these seats, to say, okay, let's, let's seek God, Lord. What are you saying for 2018? And what are you saying for our church? And like I said, when I, when I say, God, what are you saying for us as a church? My heart this morning as we talk about what's God speaking for us for 2018, this isn't like an Antioch info meeting about an organization that like you showed up to on a Sunday morning. This is for you because the church is people and the info meeting's later tonight. So that's not what this is. So I, I hope that you can just be ready to receive something for you this morning. This isn't Antioch. This isn't for the pastor. Like this is for us because God took 2016 and he created a family, right? And family's not just like a 2016 thing. Fam family goes on. And then, and then last year, he moved this little family he created into a plot of land, like literally. So he's got this, this little family, and now they've got this place to live, and now it's time to build. Now it's time, now it's time to, to build something. So we're building on top of things. That's the environment you find yourself in this morning. God is on the move, if you didn't know. 2018. Cheers. So we started asking people to begin praying for, for all of us, Lord, what do, you, what do you speak in? And it was so fun. I had people emailing me different things. And then one night, we got a group of people together in my house and prayed and worshiped for a couple hours and just shared what we felt like God had been saying. And it was really fun. God was saying lots of different things. And it was, I don't know if you've ever like been a part of anything like that, but it's like everybody's saying something. And you're like, okay, we're all saying the same thing, but not in the same words, but it's definitely God's on it. And the next day I was just driving and I felt like God spoke uh, the language for me, for us, to kind of bring it all together and make it concise. I'm thankful that God makes things concise for me because we'd be here for a couple hours sharing like we were that night. So very simply, I want you to take out your notes. If you have them, I want you to write this on the top of your page. The word that we believe God's speaking for us for 2018, what God's speaking for you. It's the title of this morning's message, and we're going to be going into it the next couple of weeks too. Very simply, Jesus people. Jesus people. Somebody say Jesus people. Mm, Jesus people. This year, we believe God is inviting us into just a, a more simplicity. More simplicity. It's just all about Jesus. Just a simple focus. That we be people with a simple focus. I believe that God is speaking an invitation over us to be completely obsessed with Jesus. That's it. Like to believe that Jesus, nothing more, nothing less, is everything. Jesus. We're just Jesus people. In Mark 1, verse 16, 
We pick up a story of Jesus. He's about to call his first disciples. He, um, in the book of Mark, he's just been baptized. He was just in the desert fasting, and now he's out, and he's about to start his public ministry. And verse 16 says this about Jesus. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, shout out, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. Follow me. Follow me. That's it. And Jesus and his eternal complexity is so simple. So simple. When God took on flesh and bone, manifest himself to the planet, He didn't come as like some spirit riding on the clouds. He didn't come in and take over the palace like they were waiting for. He didn't come in as as this mighty king and the robes and grandeur and all of those sorts of things. When God took on flesh and bone, he came as a carpenter. He walked along a sea. He came up on some fishermen and his message to the world, follow me. I was thinking about this. For God to actually be good, you know, like the, the world was crazy then, the world is crazy now. People are hurting, there's injustice. You know, we need answers for life, all these sorts of things. Like we need God, right? We, we need a big, good God. And so if, if God really is good, then for his invitation to only be follow me, then he must have, he has to be enough. If, it, if just him wasn't enough, he wouldn't be good. If he just showed up and said, follow me, but I can't do anything about all that other stuff. But he's good. So apparently it's, it's simple. Just follow me. He gives these fishermen a, a clear and simple invitation. Follow me. And this is the exact invitation that God's been giving all of humanity and is giving all of humanity now and giving you now in your life and all of its complexities and all of his complexities. God has a simple and clear, concise invitation for you in 2018. Follow me. Just follow me. Doesn't matter your highs, your lows, your past, your present, your pedigree, your success, your failures. Jesus just says, Follow me. I love this. I love it. Jesus didn't show up at a book signing with a self help book. Say, Here's the book that you've been looking for. He didn't come as, as anything like that, just feel us, make us feel warm and cozy. He didn't offer a new religion about, okay, well, you guys thought they were right and they were wrong, but here's who's right and here's who's wrong. Wasn't anything like that. Wasn't some new religious thing. He didn't offer himself as a philosophy to be discussed or to be debated. He came as a man and he simply offered himself to his creation. Follow me. I'm here. And on January 7th, 2018, I see us in Mark chapter 1. I see us in Mark chapter one. I see us kind of, it's the new year. It's it's the time of year where we all just kind of circle the wagons again and kind of reevaluate and say, what are we gonna be about? What do we want this year to look like? What is our life gonna look like? What do we want our body to look like? What What are we doing here in 2018? We're all looking for satisfaction. We're trying to set direction for the year. We're we're trying to see what's, you know, we have these questions of what's gonna validate us in 2018. What's gonna bring us our best life now in 2018? All great questions, and we should discuss them, and that's all awesome. But more than diet plans and promotions and all of these things, which, which are great and all have their place in our lives, if you're looking for something that's going to settle your insecurities and satisfy your desires and validate your identity, if you're wondering this year, what's the will of God for my life? If you're in Mark chapter 1, 
What's God calling me to? Who am I supposed to be? What's life all about? How do I make this year count? Verse 17, two simple words. God himself tells you his will for your life. Follow me. Follow me. I knew that wasn't getting anybody excited because it's not practical enough. I was like, no, I don't want to follow you. I want you to tell me what job to take. <laughs> what a preacher answer. Oh, my gosh. Mark 1, is the will of God for your life this year. This is your purpose. We believe this is what Jesus is speaking to us even specifically as a church. Just be Jesus, people. That's it. Just follow me. Follow me. Trust me that I'm enough if you just follow me. In the 1960s and 70s, there was a revival that broke out among the hippie movement. Uh, people just, all these hippies started meeting Jesus and getting saved. And uh, they were crazy because they were hippies. <laughs> That's what hippies did, right? I heard. I wasn't there. But should we ask if there were any hippies? Way to go, Linda. Proud of you. This, so the, all these hippies are coming up and in this culture of like free love and all these drugs and all this kind of stuff, there's this revival that breaks out. All these hippies start getting saved and nobody knew what to do with all these hippies because they still lived the hippie lifestyle, but they loved Jesus. Like, so they, they would, instead of like getting high on drugs, they'd be like, you need to get high on Jesus because he's better, you know? And they would say all these things that people didn't know what to do with. And, and it was like people knew Christians because this was America, but they didn't know these people. Like these weren't the folks in church. Like this wasn't like Sunday morning suit Baptist preacher kind of stuff. These were hippies just doing their thing. And they just talked about Jesus all the time. So they still traveled. They had their signs and their flowery shirts and all these sort of things. It just, Jesus saves. That's all they talked about was Jesus. So uh, they, they, they didn't have a name. They didn't have structure because they were hippies. And hippies don't do structure, so they didn't have structure as like a movement. I mean, they're called the Jesus movement, but it wasn't really a movement because nobody was really that much in charge because it's hippies. So it was like, you know, it was just kind of this thing that was happening. And, you know, if you look back on the, the Jesus people and that, that movement, there's a case to be made for some theological things that weren't right, some behavioral things that maybe weren't best. But newsflash, if it's got people, it's got shortcomings. So... Sign me up. I'm at the front of the line. It's okay. We can still celebrate what God was doing. So in the long run, some of their leaders totally went off the deep end, but who cares? Because honestly, there's so many people in the older generation, that generation in the body of Christ right now, so many of like even the, the kind of the leaders of the body of Christ right now were really touched by the Jesus movement, which is so cool. Even in all its shortcomings, God can use you. Oh, sounds like that gospel. That's awesome. But here's what Time Magazine, I, I, I found this. This is what Time Magazine, like the Time Magazine, 1971, wrote this about the Jesus People movement. This is what they were called, the Jesus People. Nobody knew what to call them. It was just Jesus People because all they talked about was Jesus. You ready for this? No, you're not. Because it's going to be awesome. This is what Time Magazine said. When people started just following Jesus, there's an uncommon morning freshness to this movement a buoyant atmosphere of hope and love along with the usual rebel zeal, because they're hippies. I added that part. Some converts seem to enjoy translating their faith, their new faith into everyday life, like those who answer the phone with Jesus loves you instead of hello. But their, but their love seemed more sincere than a slogan. Lord. We're not always the best in church and sometimes we just got slogans. Let's go deeper than that. Deeper than the fast-fading sentiments of the flower children, what, what startles the outsider? 
I love that. What startles the outsider is the extraordinary sense of joy that they are able to communicate. If any one mark clearly identifies them, it's their total belief in an awesome, supernatural Jesus Christ. Not just a marvelous man who lived 2,000 years ago, but a living God who is both Savior and Judge, the ruler of their destinies. Their lives revolve around the necessity for an intense personal relationship with that Jesus and the belief that such a relationship should condition every human life. They act as if divine intervention guides their every movement and can be counted on to solve every problem. Wow, what a concept. wow yeah, shocking. Where'd they get that? How cool is that? I want Time Magazine to write that about me. Write that about us. Write that about our city. Write that about Christians in this country. Let's get past just the slogans. And what if this is what happened? Because I don't know if you've read Acts 2, 42 through 47, but that's like the ancient version of that. Time Magazine rewrote Acts chapter 2. They put it in there. That's exactly how it's supposed to be, and I love it. I love it. Sign me up for that. This Jesus people, it's not a new thing, okay? Like, it's, I didn't come up with this idea of like, oh, check me out, I got the new church word for 2018, Jesus people. It didn't even start with the 60s and the 70s. It wasn't, it didn't come out of that. It actually comes straight out of this book right here, straight out of history. So we're gonna do a little walk through the book of Acts and talk about where we come from uh, as Christians a little bit and figure out what does this Jesus people thing actually mean, okay? So might not be what you're used to and whatever, It's the Bible. It's awesome. Because so Acts is this documentation of what happened when people started following Jesus. Jesus has has died. He's risen again. He's ascended. Uh, The Holy Spirit just came at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 3, in the rest of the book of Acts, it's it's this documentation of basically the book starts off with, hey, writes it to this guy named Theophilus. He says, hey, this is what happened when people started following Jesus. This is what happened. Didn't make it up. This is what happened. So like the Jesus people, in this moment when when Acts starts, they didn't have structure, they didn't have churches, they didn't have norms, they didn't have uh, titles or anything like that. They just had Jesus. They didn't have a name for themselves, and the culture didn't have a name for themselves for them either. Kind of like in the 60s and 70s, like we have all these people, but we don't even know what to call them. Now we know ourselves, obviously, as Christians. Like that's normal, that's a word, but that had to come from somewhere. It hasn't always been a word. It, it came from somewhere, and it has a powerful meaning. The word Christian pretty much literally means Jesus people. It means Jesus people. So in Acts chapter 3, we pick up what's going on here in history. Like I said, Jesus has, has done everything. Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. Acts chapter 3 starts in verse 1. It says, Peter and John were going to the temple. They weren't going to their church they were leading. They were just going to the temple, and they come across this lame man who can't walk, and he asks them for money. He asks Peter and John, can I have some money? And Peter and John, and Peter turns to him in verse chapter 6, and he says this to the guy. He says, I have no silver and I have no gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the guy gets up and walks. Amazing. What I love about this is that Peter didn't have what the guy needed, but he had what he needed. And 2018, I know you've got shortcomings. I know you're walking around this world that's got problems and they need their version of silver and gold or literally silver and gold and you don't have what they need, but you have what the world needs. You've got what everybody needs. We can walk around with confidence that that we have Jesus. Do you know that no matter where you are, what you're doing this year, you have what somebody needs. Peter says, I don't have money, but I have an encounter with the living God. You can have that. 
You know, in the Bible is this whole testimony of this truth. Like Mary needed a man to get pregnant, but then God showed up. And he took care of it. The 5,000, they had hungry bellies. They needed food, but they got Jesus. Lazarus needed a heartbeat. He needed some breath. Nobody had what he needed, but, but Jesus showed up. We may not have what people need, but you have what people need. Jesus is with you. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus said it this way. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. Everything else will be added to you. But seek me first. So in 2018, what are we going to seek first? Do you believe this? Do we believe that Jesus is enough? Will we seek him first? We're going to seek money first. We're going to seek vacations first. We're going to seek the diet plan first. We're going to seek better friends first, a promotion first. All of these things are awesome, but none of them will do what you're asking them to do. We've got to seek Jesus first. Peter and John didn't have a title. They didn't have a movement. They just had Jesus. And that was enough. That was enough in Acts chapter 3. So they healed this guy. Things go crazy because the guy starts dancing around and telling everybody about Jesus, and it's crazy. And so the next chapter, in Acts chapter 4, they get arrested, um, which don't know how that works, but if we start healing people, maybe the cops come. I don't know, but it's going to be good. They're arrested, and they're standing before these, like, religious lawyers and stuff who are trying them, like, hey, why'd you guys do this, and also how? (laughs) And Peter and John, they just start talking about Jesus. They don't have their methods and laws and all these kind of things. They just start talking about Jesus. In verse 13 of chapter 4, it says this about the, the lawyers and everything as they looked on. It says, now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. Like, there is nothing special about these guys. How'd they heal this dude? But they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Still no title, just people that look like Jesus. So as the church is starting to happen, as people start following Jesus, all anybody knows is, it seems like these people have been with Jesus. What do we, what do we call these guys? In Acts chapter eight, a few chapters later, we meet a guy named Saul who really doesn't like all of these Jesus followers, and so he's arresting them and killing them. And in Acts chapter 9, he's on his way to a city called Damascus because he needs to go to a new town to go arrest some new Christians and kill some more people because he's not happy about this. On the way, Jesus shows up on the road, literally knocks him off his horse, blinds him with a light, speaks to him audibly, and says, hey, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's crazy that God would associate with his people like that. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Knocks him off his horse, blinds him, all these things, and... Uh, rightfully so, Saul says, okay, I should probably follow this Jesus now. He's big. I was wrong. Step one, right? It's awesome. So in Acts chapter 9, he, he gets healed. He, he decides to start actually following Jesus, and he goes from killing Jesus' followers to now starting to teach and lead Jesus' followers. Absolutely amazing. He has this encounter with Jesus. His name changes. He, his name was Saul, but now he's Paul. His mission changed. He used to want to kill Jesus' followers, and now he wants to help lead Jesus followers. His, his life goals changed. Like he was climbing the corporate ladder in his job. Like he was the guy. Leaves all of that behind to just serve people. So everything changes just because he met Jesus. He didn't hear a sermon. It wasn't a song. It just was Jesus. In Philippians chapter three, Paul later is writing a letter to some people who have been following him. And he's, he's kind of reflecting on his life now that he's begun following Jesus, what the before and the after was like and how Jesus changed everything. And he says this in Philippians three, where are we at? Verse four. 
He says, though I myself, I have reason for confidence in my flesh. Because if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee. I mean, this guy had it all going on as far as the culture and the world he was living in was concerned. He had zeal. He was a persecutor of the church. As a righteousness under the law, he was blameless. He did it all right. Everybody wanted to follow him. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Because I had all this stuff, and then I just saw Jesus. And I realized all that I had was nothing. I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Not the new title he got. He didn't get handed a mega church and influence and a book deal. Oh, that's, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, that's, I'm just saying, it's just Jesus. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. My pedigree, my goals, my New Year's resolutions, they were awesome, and I had them all, and they couldn't do it for me. He's writing to his friends and some people that he had led to the Lord to encourage them, and I, I, I feel like this was Paul's maybe New Year's message, January 7th, whatever, 35 AD or whatever it was, right? Like, hey, guys, I've been there, done that. It's just Jesus. I had everything going for me, but I found Jesus, and I just want to know him now. And so my question for 2018 is, in the midst of all of our goals and all of our ambitions, which is so great, like let's set goals, let's go get them and not be lazy and all these kinds of things, but in the midst of our goals and in the midst of our ambitions, if we get them all, are you going to really find what maybe you're really looking for? If we, if we hit all of our goals, if we reach all of our ambitions, and at the end of this year we don't know Jesus better, we're going to start 2019 just like we started 2018 which was just like we started 2017 and 2016, 2015, 2014, 2013. Looking, 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 right? I'm not saying there's not gonna be new goals next year. That's all great, but we can still be satisfied because we've just got to be Jesus people. Don't start, don't hit December 31st, 2018 like you did 2017. Ah, empty, all these things. We can know Jesus and find what we're looking for. I mean, think about it. If Jesus can encounter a guy like Saul, who's killing him and actively against him. If he can encounter him on a road, save him and use him to change the world, imagine what he could do with you if you just volunteer yourself. <laughs> like, I want to make this easy on Jesus. He doesn't have to find me on the road to Damascus, knock me off my horse. I'll sit here and keep my sight. Thank you very much, Jesus. Just come, you know? Let's just volunteer ourselves. Anybody else been sick? Budat. Lame. That's Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 11. After Paul has become Paul, he's given his life to Jesus. He started hanging out with these Jesus followers, helping them know Jesus and follow Jesus. All this stuff is happening. There's still no name for these guys. They're just kind of spreading along in the world, changing everything, healing people, changing communities. All this stuff's happening. Nobody knows what to do with these folks. And now the guy who hated him the most is helping to lead him. In Acts chapter 11, Paul and his friend Barnabas, they've been spending time with some other believers. They've been teaching them in this town called Antioch. Interesting. Yes, this is why we're called Antioch. Side note. They've been, they've been meeting with people in this town called Antioch. And in verse 26 of Acts chapter 11, it says this. It says, 
For a whole year, they met with the church and they taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. They were first called Christians. Okay, so we've been painting a picture, all right? We've been painting a picture of what's been going on uh, in Acts in this time of history. Basically painting the picture of what happened when these Jesus followers started getting together and following Jesus together. They showed up. And they were so markedly different than the rest of society, specifically in Antioch, that the town of Antioch had to figure out, okay, we've got to call you something. You've got so much going on. You're so different than everybody else. Who are you people? All the people knew was that they just always talked about Jesus. They preached about Jesus. They they talked about this new king named Jesus. They were obsessed with Jesus, and they, they acted like him. They acted like him, too. So all this is happening and they realize, okay, this isn't just like a new Sabbath morning ritual like they were Jews at the synagogue and now they talk about Jesus at the synagogue and that's just kind of it. It wasn't just a new ritual. It wasn't just like a cool new trend of like, oh man, like these are the cool kids now on the block. This will fade at some point. It wasn't a trend or a status symbol. It just, it actually changed everything. It changed everything. So you can picture the, the influential Instagrammers of Antioch. They're getting together. The vloggers and the bloggers and the trendsetters of Antioch. They're getting together. Like the TMZ, Antioch TMZ, right? They're getting together. And they're like, all this stuff's going on. We got to talk about these people because that's what we do. We talk about people. And so let's give them a name. Let's do believers. No, that's not going to work. I'm kidding. So they're, they're starting to kick it around. What are we going to call these people? Well, if it was just about social justice, then they could have called them activists. But it wasn't just that. It was bigger than that. If it was just that they were nicer than everybody, maybe they, well, they always hold the door and they don't cuss, you know? It's like, maybe you could just call, you could, they could be good neighbors, you know, like all these new good neighbors. But it was, it, okay, it was that, but it was so much, it was so much more than that when they looked around and, and saw that it was, it was actually a whole lot more than that. They didn't even just have a cause. They weren't even just against the man, you know, like could have called them revolutionaries at best, you know, but okay, it was that, but, but it was so much, it was so much more than that. And they weren't even just a community. Like if it was just a community, then they could just be that group of friends over there. It was that, but it was so much more than that. It was all of these things, but it was so much more than all of these things. So TMZ, they get together, they're looking around like, well, they're not, they're not just activists. That's not a big enough name. They're not just friends. They're not just good neighbors. And they looked around and I guess they noticed, okay, in this time, like the Roman Empire is a big deal. So they, they look and they say, okay, well, we've got Rome, like this whole culture and society. And uh, there's all these people in Rome and they have, they have this king. They have this emperor that they follow. They have this culture, kind of this way of doing things that's different than everybody else. They have this thing that they're trying to spread to the world. So let's call these people in Rome, Roman people. Well, we call them Roman people. So, well, these folks over here, they have this king they always talk about. They say they follow him around and they've got this culture, this way of doing things. And it's not like everybody else. It's definitely different. And they've got this message that they're trying to, to take, and it, and it all has to do with this Christ. I guess we should call them like Christians. Let's call them, they always talk about Jesus. Let's call them Jesus people. That's the best they could come up with. All these Jesus people. This is our opportunity. Sometimes we can make things so complicated, but I believe God's got this open invitation like he always has for this year for all of us to kind of maybe shed some of the complexities 
shed some of all the extra labels, the good ones, the bad ones, all of them, and just live a simple life being Jesus people. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with like it sounding like a churchy cliche or whatever, like, of course, church, Jesus people. But my Bible says, uh, guess what you get when you uh, seek Jesus? Jesus. I'm down. That sounds great. Because I don't know about you, but I've tried other stuff. I just, I want us to be Jesus people. When you think about this church, when you think about who are we going to be, what's it mean to be a part of Antioch, it's just Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Everything is always just about Jesus. And I love this year that we're starting this year in a brand new spot. Like finally, we kind of have a home for our church that, that we can kind of plant and, and be. And uh, one, some of that comes along with that is signs. I've been talking a lot about signs and trying to figure out, we got to put some signs up, you know? Because I guess that's what you do. And I've been thinking, okay, God, you've put us in a spot. We didn't have a spot for a long time. We were just renting this place downtown once a week. But now we have a spot. We're here in Castleton. And I've been thinking a lot, okay, what, what do I want it to mean for us as a church to be in Castleton? Like, I really hope that we don't come be a part of Castleton and nobody notices. That would be a bummer. And I've been, so I've been thinking a lot about this. And I just thought, what if, what if we as a people were responsible for a transformation in Castleton to where like everybody in the greater Indianapolis area knew that like if you even just drive through Castleton, you're going to have to deal with Jesus somehow. Like you're going to see a sign, somebody's going to talk to you, somebody's going to give you something, and not even Antioch, but like even if it doesn't have our name on it, like that's great. But what if, what if it was just like Castleton, isn't that where all that Jesus stuff is, you know where all those Jesus things are or whatever, you know? Or if you're, if you're in the Castleton area, if you go to Qdoba down the street because they have free queso and it's better than Chipotle's, if you go there, if you go there and you're checking out and you're giving your money and you give the person and say, hey, I go to a church just down the street. And they say, what's it called? And you say, Antioch. I hope that people just say, is that, is that that Jesus church? <laughs> Come on. I would love that. I love that. That's my goal for our church, that we saturate this area of town so much that you have to run into Jesus if you go to Castleton. If you go shopping at the mall, Jesus is going to be there. If you drive down Allisonville, somehow you're going to see Jesus. If you move in, you're going to hear about Jesus one way or another. We're coming for your mailbox. We're coming for your Facebook. We're coming for your shopping trip. We're coming for your grocery store trip. We're coming for you because Jesus loves you. Because he really is enough. Because there really are a whole lot of people trying to mend their nets, trying to catch life, and it keeps slipping through. Maybe I'll close up this hole. Oh, maybe that's the hole. Maybe that's the fix. I'll look like this. I'll, I'll know this. I'll, I'll make it here. I'll do it there. I'll mend my nets. And Jesus shows up. Follow me. Chill. Put the nets down. Stop trying so dang hard. You're trying to catch living water. Nets don't work on water. Follow me. We're Jesus people. We have a drink. So let's hand it out. 
invite our band up as we close. We're going to worship together. But before we do that, I want to give you just two quick, simple things. We're going to talk about this over the next couple of weeks and talk about it more tonight. What does it practically mean to do this Jesus people thing? We're going to talk more about that. But I want to just tell you, I, I thought, oh, I can't, I can't just say, okay, great, vision, now let's leave. Like, how, what do we do with this? So I, I'm going to give you two simple things that I'm doing. Uh, that you, you can do, but it's not the same thing I'm doing. You'll get it in a second. But I don't want to tell you what to do because then you're doing it for me. I don't want to be Andrew people. Trust me. I want to be Jesus people. The first thing that I want you to do with this word, Jesus people, is just receive it. That's what I'm doing. That, I, I was asking God this week, Lord, what practicals do I give people? And I just felt like he said, well, what are you doing? So okay, that's great. I'm just trying to receive it. I'm trying to keep this in front of me. I'm thinking about it a lot. Heather and I have been talking about this a lot. Just talk, talk to your friends. Work it through with yourself. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your kids. Start talking this through. Ask the question, what does this mean? Just re- receive it. Receive it. Let this word come into your heart. Okay, God, you're inviting us into a sim- simple focus of just Jesus. What does that mean for my life this year? What does it look like to receive it? And then the second thing is just respond. Respond. Whatever it is that God starts highlighting in your life, just do that. I know for me, I'm spending more time with Jesus this year. I figured that's a really good place to start if I want to look like Jesus. So I've been trying to work, you know, okay, what's my schedule going to look like? What's this going to look like? What's that going to look like? Because if I want to be a Jesus guy, I need to get to know Jesus. So for me, I'm trying to spend more time with Jesus. That means some things that need to give, some things need to go. But man, like it's God, you know, just saying, come hang out with me so cool. So I want you to receive this word. I want you to talk about it, work it through, and I want you to figure out what does it look like to respond for you? Because if we do nothing different, nothing will be different. This will be a message that had maybe a couple good points on it, and maybe you came back, maybe you didn't, but it'll just kind of drift away. Or this could change everything. I want you to stand as we worship this morning. We're going to worship and sing a song like we always like to do around here. We want to be people who don't just hear the word of God, but we want to do the word of God. We want to respond. And that's why we worship at the end. Not just because our worship team's awesome, like we talked about, though they are, but we want to take just a few moments together as we end and say, okay, God, you've been speaking. I'm not just going to walk out of here and let this be another thing that happened. Like come Holy Spirit and do something in me. And you may need to respond in some way. You may need to share something with somebody. You may need to write something down. You need to make a choice right now. And we're going to have a couple people over here to, to pray. If you want to have somebody to pray with you, we are going to have a, just a prayer team over here. There's some people that they're really awesome, but they're not perfect, but they will pray with you. And so uh, I really encourage you if, you, if there's God, if God's doing something, if you need something, anything in your life, it doesn't even have to relate to this message. If you need a miracle, if you need whatever, why don't you go over here and just share it with somebody, let them pray with you and believe God to do something amazing. But these moments, they're just about bringing our lives and putting them on the altar and saying, okay, God, you can have me. You can have me. Help me know my next step as I leave this place. So can we worship with expectation that the seed that God's planting in our heart is going to bring growth, amen? Jesus, we love you so much, and we thank you that in, your, in all of your complexity, Lord, you simply invited us to follow you. And we choose to follow you this year. Lord, we, we, we say that 2018 will be a year where we follow Jesus. Lord, make us Jesus people. Help us throw off the stuff that's not going to help us and help us to pick up the things that will. Lord, we put down our nets this year and we follow you. We give you our lives this morning. In Jesus' name.